it's Sarah from the future. Everything's great here. Melissa and Teresa are getting along so well. Life seems possible. Moments after Dylan Hafer and I finished recording this all-new Andy's Girls, we found out the news that the world over has since discovered. Tom and Ariana are no longer because Tom was stooping Raquel. Head on over to the Andy's Girls Patreon to get a 40-minute emergency episode deep diving what this means for VPR and so much more. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Number one way to support the pod. And just remember, kids, never fuck a Tom. I'm spiritually mid-twenties plus and mid in nothing else. (laughs) This award season, I'm the front runner in putting up with your bullshit. (laughs) You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's a recording from the coffice, which is my literal favorite thing in the universe. So I'm so excited to have back my Bravo BFF. We actually do need to talk maybe some Oscar stuff. Oh, wait, the Oscars are coming up. I might literally need to ask you back after any Oscars to discuss okay. whatever. Goes Sunday, down. March 12th. Okay, perfect. Sunday, March 12th. And today is whatever favorite day it is because I have this person back. You know him as Senior Content Manager Entertainment at Betches Media, host of the podcast Mention It All, and creator of Bravo by Betches. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Dylan Hafer. Dylan, how are we? Hello, I'm well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I feel like so much has happened. I need to get your thoughts on so much going on. I literally were recording this Friday afternoonish. I Friday afternoonish. I just watched New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I just watched Miami. You know what's funny? There is so much going on right now, and I, I. when I was thinking, you asked me yesterday to come record, and I was as I was <laughs> just so you guys know that's that's how I roll. I mean, I had already watched. Do you have on an hour? I had already watched everything, so it wasn't like I had to sit down and cram to prepare mm. for this. But in my head, I'm just thinking like, okay, like we'll probably we'll definitely talk about Miami, you know, maybe Potomac. I don't know. I forgot that New Jersey was happening. Yes. And then you said that I'm like, oh, oh, duh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I did watch it. I did already recap it on my own <laughs> podcast this week. Like my mind is mushed right now because not only are there all these Bravo shows happening, Summer House, Vanderpump right. Rules, um, th- there's lawsuits, there's divorces, there's news. Oh my God. It, it feels like I don't, you know, I never like to complain about an embarrassment of riches, mm. but it's like right now it is genuinely... Um, like an equation, a math problem to figure out how much do I care about this thing? Mm-hmm. How much do I talk about this thing? Because like there are only so many hours in the day. Is there a difference in what you cover or feature on your pod because you know that the audience is going to have a lot to say about like a specific franchise versus what you personally are interested in when it comes to all things Bravo? Sometimes. I mean, I know like with Andy's girls, you mostly focus on Real Housewives, which yeah. I think is like a helpful <laughs> narrowing. I Sometimes I do struggle with that. And I actually, so last year, I normally I do three episodes a week, some with guests, some with, you know, fellow 
podcasters, content creators, whatever. And I actually started doing extra mini bonus solo episodes last year Mm. so I could recap Top Chef every week because I was like I'm going to talk about Top Chef and I know that it's not as popular with our audience as Real Housewives of New Jersey let's say but sometimes I just am like I want to do this and also it's not like nobody else watches Top Chef Mm -hmm. so you know those episodes might not get like the same number of downloads but it's like they're not it's not like only for me um but yeah, it is tough. And also, you know, trying to juggle, you know, if you want to have guests on, then that's mm. less kind of recap time and what's the right balance. It's, guys, it's fucking hard. <laughs> it's hard to be honest. Every No, that's the thing. It's like every time I circle back, I'm like, no, I, this is like, a, it's fine. <laughs> what's your preference? Like, what's your energy when you record solo versus with a co-host? Um, well, I don't do solo, solo very often. Like I'll do those little mini bonus episodes or like occasionally I'll like after I went to LA last year, I did like a 30 minute solo just rant about my experience at all the Vanderpump establishments. Oh my God. Um, but you know, the solo stuff, it's more like, okay, like I want to talk about this, but it's, I'm not going to have the opportunity to with a guest. Whereas like, you know, I've had you on my podcast numerous times are some of our mutual friends, like. Danny Murphy, mm-hmm. Evan Real, people like that. It's like fun to just like yeah. chat and, you know, get into it with. But like doing interviews is also it's like a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. Like when you're having, you know, I had Danielle from Summer House on my podcast this week and that was great. I had a great time talking to her, but that's like such a different vibe than if you and I were to sit down and talk about Summer House for 30 minutes. Also, I feel like it becomes a difficult position when you're releasing an interview because, well, I don't know if it's difficult. It's it's an opportunity, certainly, for other members of the cast to join the discussion. So like you posted a clip of that interview with Danielle and then Lindsay responded. Now you are a content creator. You have this thriving population over at Bravo by Betches. Surely getting cast participation in promotions for episodes much must be nice but is it also like a little uncomfortable when someone's like I'm gonna do a light drag here um I don't know I mean I feel like I try and stay not always neutral in situations because I do think obviously if you don't have any opinions that's nobody's gonna care to pay attention to what you're saying but I I try and approach things from a you know sort of an objective level and like I had Lindsay and Carl on my podcast three weeks ago. Mm. And I, if I, you know, it's not like because I had Danielle on to, to sort of share her side of the story. I don't feel like I'm, you know, choosing one side or the other, you know, maybe some people would see that differently, but I'm an equal opportunity. (laughs) Uh, Dirty laundry error, error, error. Have you found anything (laughs) particularly surprising about the ways that Danielle and Lindsay talked to you about each other? Was one potentially more vulnerable, let's say, than the other? Like, who did you maybe connect with the most? I know that's a really unfair question, but here we go. Yeah, I think we talked about it. I talked about Lindsay's, the, the Lindsay stuff more with Danielle than I talked about the Danielle stuff with Lindsay. Um, I think 
when I had Lindsay on, it was it was like the premiere week or maybe even the week before. So I had seen the premiere, but it wasn't mm-hmm. on yet. And there was just kind of other stuff to talk about. Carl was there too. Like um, we talked about it a little bit, but not as directly. Whereas with Danielle, I felt like she was really open about mm-hmm. it. And also having just recently confirmed that she and Robert broke up a few months back. Oy. That's kind of an extra layer on it where like, Danielle right now I think is in a really raw place kind of that she lost this relationship that she was in for two mm. years and she lost this friendship that she had for a long time and she said and you know she said to me I I got my heart broken twice last year and so I think that kind of like it's not necessarily that I connected with her more but I feel like the energy that she brought to the conversation was a little more um raw and it is interesting, you know, we talked before we started recording about the fact that I'm like woefully behind. Certainly in Vanderpump Rules, I'm an episode behind in Summer House. But all that being said, it is kind of interesting to watch the ways that like Paige, for example, and the people from Paige's circle, essentially, because Paige seems like a little bit of a ringleader there, um, have responded to the Lindsay and Danielle breakup versus, I would say, obviously, Lindsay. Um do you think that there's any truth to the idea that like Paige being so invested in making sure Danielle feels appreciated is less about Danielle and more about her quasi blonde nemesis? I think that's um, I don't think that's an unfair way to interpret it. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like with Summer House, the last few seasons, there has been this kind of clicky energy that maybe comes and goes a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. always as strong but I'm not gonna say that I I think there's no kind of just hating on Lindsay to hate on Lindsay Mm -hmm. like I I think there is that is an element of the show that I don't always enjoy that it seems like a little bit of mean girl energy directed at Lindsay kind of just because that's the way it's decided it's going to be Mm. um but also you know Lindsay's not an angel (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the interesting thing with Summer House is that I feel like they wear some of their scars a little more outwardly than other shows. Maybe that's because that's like the actual setup of the show is that it's Summer House. People get a little, you know, shit faced or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that has sort of been the setup of the show, which has matured, I would say, since that point. Obviously, that still happens, but it's certainly the incorporation of like, friendship fractures and fame I think have adjusted maybe that scope a little bit I think also with Summer House because we really for the most part only see them on those weekends of the summer that they are at the house together with a few exceptions we don't we aren't really following their lives as Mm. much as we are following their relationships with each other and if you think about that in in contrast to a housewives show you can have two people on a Housewives cast that barely are in the same place all season in in certain circumstances, or they're only together in full group scenes, but they never really interact that much. Mm-hmm. And you have a full storyline happening on your own. You can, you know, go to lunch with who, whichever one or two people from the cast that you're getting along with. And with Summer House, I mean, that's not really how it's structured. And so there's never really that time Mm -hmm. or space to get to know these people outside of the group dynamic as much like you can get isolated from relationships but not necessarily the environment you know yeah and like 
it, okay, so on if if Summer House was Real Housewives of you know mm-hmm. New York, let's say Paige and Lindsay wouldn't be hanging out on a Tuesday night, right? Unless there was like a whole group event or something. And then we would see Paige doing her own things. We would see Lindsay doing their own things. But it's just like more condensed. Yeah. And I feel like the structure probably helps in some way to get that extra pop. Because while there are cast members who are away on certain weekends because of, you know, like life circumstances or maybe work professional obligations, you are typically there throughout. And then I think of, for example, the newest episode of Jersey and also just kind of the energy right now. And it is interesting to watch the ways that Joe seems to have chosen to isolate himself Mm -hmm. from both quasi moving on with Teresa, but also these group dynamics that I would think ordinarily he would 100% want to be there for. Yeah, I I think that is a really interesting point that when Teresa's having her love bubble housewarming party as <laughs> let go of the bubble as it's Jesus. called um obviously you know we've been watching these shows for a long time when somebody's having an event like that on the season of course it's their personal event that they're celebrating in their life but it is also a cast full cast group filming right. day that everybody on the show was invited to and for the most part everybody on the show is showing up to Mm -hmm. and you know it's like (laughs) margaret josephs could think of a i'm sure she could think of something she'd rather be doing on you know a thursday night in july than being at Teresa and louis house celebrating their love bubble for the 45th time but she's gonna show up because it's a group filming event and she doesn't have any real reason not to be there and i think with joe it's tough because on one hand I totally get why he doesn't want to be there. They're not really on good terms. The phone conversation that they had where Teresa uh, theoretically wanted to make peace was not at all convincing to me that, you know, there was no real outreach in terms of like, please come. I would love to have you there. It was very just like, are you coming? Not sure. Okay. And there's also the side that it's like, I wish he would just show up because it feels like we're getting these kind of like half moments and the the thing with Melissa being there and having that really uncomfortable exchange with mm. Gabriella and Gia it's like it's unfortunate that that's all we're getting where there's clearly so much more that could be unpacked there yeah and it's interesting because Joe obviously is uninterested in unpacking it you mm-hmm. could say that's from exhaustion or disinterest or hurt or whatever but if this man is saying explicitly, I just want to move on, I do not want to talk about it, then why aren't we moving on? Right. And it's tough because going back to the end of last season, Melissa was very candid mm-hmm. for really, I think, the first time or at least more than she ever had been before about maybe we're maybe this is done. Maybe we're done trying. We can just cut the lo- cut our losses and say hey, this relationship isn't going to happen. We don't have to keep rehashing this every year. It's not good for anyone involved. It's not good for our kids. It's not good for us. It's not good for, you know, the memory of our parents or whatever. But then going back into this season, we're four episodes in, I think, and 
we're doing it again. Mm. Like, <laughs> why are we on the phone talking about making peace if nobody actually cares about that at all? But then also it's like, if you're going to care about it, then like show up and put in the effort. What do you think peace looks like for Joe? I don't really know. I don't. Because <laughs> that's the thing. That's a good question. Because like peace. It could just be we sweep this under the rug and we never talk about it again and we're just cordial to each other at family functions, but that doesn't really mean anything. If you're just saying we're never going to have any relationship deeper than a surface level, hey, how you doing? How's the kids? Uh, Good, good, good. Okay, good. See you next time. Like, that's not adding anything to anybody's life. It just is, uh, it's an absence of chaos, I guess, which might be an improvement. but. If if you think about it in any sort of deeper level, I don't think anybody's thinking when they say peace, I don't think anybody's thinking, oh, yeah, we're all going to be family again and have Thanksgiving together and come over to each other's house on Easter. Like, I don't think anybody really sees that in the cards or particularly wants that. Yeah, and they've had little moments of it, but it was typically after huge life-altering mm-hmm. environmental shifts that were kind of dipping back into a little, but not a lot. It, it just leaves me like watching these scenes and just thinking like, if we're talking about the ways that Teresa not asking Melissa to be in the bridal party and Teresa not inviting Melissa's family feels like a sign of disrespect. But what do you think not showing up to her family housewarming is? Yeah, I and I, I struggle to even know how to talk about it because it it's hard to talk about without coming across as so choosing a side because the the discourse around the show and especially Mm. on social media has been so polarized the last couple three I don't know seasons right but I really I mean there are certain situations in which I absolutely disagree with both people you Mm -hmm. know there are certain situations in which I think Teresa is like 100% in the wrong Mm -hmm. and there are certain situations where I think Joe is like a fucking disaster but I think it's tough to really feel like there's no real productive way to unpack the conversation because it has been so lines drawn in the sand and I'm like I don't if nobody you know like if if the Melissa fans don't want her to be friends with Teresa and the Teresa fans don't want her to be friends with Melissa then why don't we all just go our separate ways I don't know that it's only or majority just about these people not wanting to be each other's friends I feel like it's the rival communities feeling disrespected Mm. and them saying like you should respect my queen more or what you're just doing on this episode is a sign of disrespect and that is a difficult environment to navigate because if someone believes or feels that they're being disrespected, obviously, they're probably not going to participate in environments in which that furthers, right? Like mm-hmm. you think that you're setting up boundaries, but this show is about an environment in which like those boundaries are are not necessarily celebrated or supported just by the very nature of filming these kinds of events. Yeah, I will say I'm hope I this season so far 
has made me hopeful with the new cast members Mm -hmm. and who I think are doing really well in their first few episodes that maybe there can be a future for this franchise that doesn't feel like it solely orbits around Teresa and Melissa. Because, I mean, these last few seasons, I think most people agree they've had a great run the last few years. And of course... They meaning the show? Like in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jersey. yeah, Yeah, yeah. And of course, not everything in those last few seasons has been about Teresa versus Melissa, but the the cast has still been so split down that divide where you really still have kind of like team Teresa and team Melissa. And I am hoping that maybe like next season Mm. that could sort of start to, you know, splinter a little bit. Do you think there is a possibility that like Teresa would choose and be happy with potentially like a spinoff and Melissa staying on New Jersey or is that completely unrealistic? It's so hard to know because there was a real narrative or you know whispering that that could happen this season that there was a there was a real I I don't know if it was a rumor or Mm. you know a source you know a quote-unquote source saying that like basically Teresa was going to get soft fired and given a spinoff and that Melissa would stay on the show. And obviously that didn't happen this year. Who knows kind of how real it was in the first place. But it's it's tough to imagine Teresa really choosing to walk away from Housewives. I could see it being something that is presented as her choice, Mm -hmm. but is really like a corporate like you're not going to get to be on Housewives anymore. We've decided, but we're giving you this other thing. And so you can you can announce that however you'd like. And it's a lot less embarrassing to say, I'm so happy I got my spin off versus like they fired me from Housewives and offered me this instead. But I don't I don't see Teresa like asking for that, if that makes sense. I don't see it as being fired because she's such a huge fucking asset. I see them as repositioning her if they don't want to lose Melissa. Because I think Melissa works in a group dynamic and Teresa has enough going on Mm. that could potentially support an independent show a la Bethany, where it's like this person, you can't make the argument that like now she's bigger than the show because Teresa has always been integral to New Jersey and like her power has accrued over time. But there could be the argument that maybe the ensemble vibe isn't necessarily where we can leverage the most content out of this person. Maybe we do Bethany her off into a Teresa ever after dynamic. That way we're able to keep Melissa because I just don't honestly think I don't see that happening for Melissa. I don't see Melissa getting no. Melissa and Joe do house stuff. You know, like I just don't. No. I think Melissa actually works well in a group dynamic. And maybe that's the best way to keep them both. I I agree with you. I think that is, to me, that sounds like a logical, mm. likely to succeed plan mm-hmm. that would allow this show to move into sort of a new phase. Um, but also it just is kind of like a big, it would be a big leap. Mm-hmm. And based on what we've seen Bravo do with casting and decisions like that in the past, 
I don't know that I see them having the sort of creative. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think because I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean I I don't necessarily see if see them taking that leap in that way when it would be a gamble. It would be a gamble, and I think I think it would still be seen as by a lot of people as. New Jersey losing its biggest asset. Yeah. Which I don't think in in actuality of in terms of the quality and the the show and mm-hmm. the direction it's going, I don't think it would be them losing their biggest asset, but in terms of just star power and the narrative of having an OG, this, you know, in some way shape or form has always been the Teresa show, and I say that as somebody who is by no means a tree hugger or a Teresa mm-hmm. Stan, but it's undeniable that right. it, she has always been sort of the, um, the lightning rod at the center of the show. And I think it would be sort of a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people to, to pull the plug on that in a way, even if it was clearing the way for, uh, you know, a brighter day somewhere else. Yeah. I would think it has to be, slightly uncomfortable for Melissa and Joe to process as like actual family of Teresa, the ways Mm. that she's moving on into her love, 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 love bubble journey and the kind of affection and positivity she's maybe shown toward Louie's family. And I like wonder how that factors into all of this. Mm. Like if she was to kind of go into a new dynamic or a new universe, how would his family potentially participate in that? Because obviously Joe and Melissa would would not be a part of, right. I would think any Teresa storyline mm-hmm. aside from being spoken of, not speaking to. Yeah, I actually, I so I posted last week about um, the decision on Teresa's part not to invite the Marcos to her Donna Marco Melissa's yes. Melissa's family to yes. her wedding. Yes, yes, yes. And I I basically tweeted like whichever way you slice it, I think that's weird. That the fact mm. that Marge Senior was invited to that wedding, right. Jennifer's mom was right. invited to that wedding, Chanel Ayan was at that wedding. W- regardless of how everybody's getting along, I think it is a a weird decision not to invite her. D- Melissa's mom specifically. The sisters kind of too, but the mom. And I got a lot of responses. I mean, of course, tweeting about Real Housewives of New Jersey is just asking for it. Oof. But I I got a lot of responses. Some were more kind of aggressive, but a lot of people kind of had the sentiment of it's her wedding. She can invite whoever she wants. Everybody here is an adult. She can she can do what she wants to do. And the thing is I I agree with that. I don't disagree with that sentiment. I am. But the way I see it, it's like. I don't think Teresa should be thrown in jail for not inviting Donna Marco to her wedding. Mm. I think it is weird. Mm. I think it's a it's a it's a very clear cut choice that sends a very clear cut message. And whatever history has happened, it it really just says, I don't give a fuck about having you in my life. and. I thought it was very interesting on this week's episode that the comparison was made between that decision 
and Melissa and Joe not inviting Louis's family to Antonia's Sweet 16. First of all, a wedding and a Sweet 16 are not, not the, same. the same. Not the same. No matter how big the Sweet 16 is, it's not a family wedding. But also, Donna Marco has known Teresa for 20-something years. Right. She knew Teresa's parents. She spent a lot of time with Teresa's parents and with the girls and with Teresa. Louie's family has have been in Melissa and Joe's life for two or three years. And most of that time, they right. have not even been on great terms. So Melissa and Joe and certainly Antonia do not have any kind of long-term, deep-seated relationship with Louie's family. So to me, that sort of weakened Teresa's stance on that rather than strengthening it. Because it's like, you see those as like, equal chess pieces because mm. to me it's like if you don't want to invite donna marco okay make that decision you did make that decision it's your wedding you can invite who you want but to try and to try and like bargain with that and be like well maybe if donna wanted to get invited <laughs> they should have invited louis family to this week 16 it's like are, are, does that make sense to you because it doesn't make sense to me yeah, and also... Just you know, say you don't want them there. Right. I and mean... The, and I don't want Donna there, period. And the dot, dot, dot is, I don't want Donna there because she is Melissa's mom. It's not, I don't want Donna there because Donna has done something to upset me, which I think is... Yeah. There's like a lack of transparency that mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Teresa is unwilling to communicate, but that muddies the water a little bit. When you're not being honest about what's going on, I think that is where the upset from Joe and Melissa come from, where they're like, don't tell us that this wasn't meant to be an insult. It was. Right. And I'm sure that adds a burden to Melissa and Joe of like, how do we move forward if we feel like we're being insulted at the same time? It just shows an absolute lack of trust between these people. And it makes me sad because as was communicated to Teresa, the reason for Joe that there's some upset is because of his mother-in-law's relationship with his dad, which Mm -hmm. cannot potentially be understated, especially if you have a very small family that's become even smaller because the Wakili's are no longer a part of, I think, either of these people's lives. Like, truly, if you're saying Joe is my only family, it's like, well, technically, there are other family members, Kathy, Richie, Rosie, Rosie. whomever Mm -hmm. else we haven't actually met through Housewives who have been isolated against both of these parties. I don't think Joe and Melissa... Uh, kept in touch with the. I think there might have been some no, sort of follow up. No, the, there the too. Gorgas and the Wakilis, I don't think, are on good terms. Right. So it's like th- some of this, when we talk about a small family, 100%, I don't disagree with that. But I am also thinking of like, well, some of this, there are also other circles here. Yeah. yeah there's a, I think there, obviously, we we don't have every piece of every. Right. Por- piece of that puzzle but to say there's a difference between like i have no other family alive on this earth right and like i have no one else that i could call like those are two different things to say and yeah like none of those people were at Teresa's wedding yeah and it the wakili's were not at Teresa's wedding of course not and and that's me saying of course not because of the current environment it's just it it is an interest whenever there's any kind of family dynamic especially 
the Joe, Melissa, Teresa, and now Louis dynamic. Obviously, some of this is performative because of the purposes of mm-hmm. how Shakespearean this kind of tragedy has become. But also, it's it's real stuff. And the difficulty when you're planning a wedding, it they're get, definitely circumstances. There's all you know, the LOL of like mother daughter dynamics certainly comes up with many people in many cultures of like whose actual wedding in the is this. And that can compound itself with any number of like gender representation, relationships, everything else. But also sometimes these weddings are an opportunity to like make peace right Mm -hmm. to show and reflect peace being made and also understanding that you know while Teresa maybe didn't invite Donna because she was let's say setting boundaries or something with Melissa or not feeling like she wanted to have more of Melissa's family there for whatever reason or for for whatever reason decision that she she made that choice weddings sometimes are there's like a little bit of a percentage there of like what am I going to give up? Who are mm-hmm. the people who I wouldn't necessarily want to have there for whatever reason, who I'm still going to invite? Because if I don't, it's going to compound whatever issue, invisible or otherwise, that's currently ongoing. Like right. the decision not to invite Donna obviously created much more conflict than potential internal conflict which maybe it's unfair for me to say that Teresa was experiencing about Donna right, or, like or Melissa right or like if else. Donna was invited and chose to come which I think it would would have been a question mark in the end she anyway wouldn't have shown up but it's like if she was there you knowing can, what we know you can put her in the back corner table you're not even going to see her that night like D- Donna Marco being there is not going to ruin your wedding <laughs> well conversely there is a certain amount of just like sorry to say it swallowing it if Teresa, if we're arguing in an alternate universe that she would have swallowed whatever she needed to to invite Donna to keep the peace and not, um, even if it wasn't intended this way to like add an additional jab to this fight. The flip side of that is if Joe and Melissa or yeah. Donna are seated at a shitty table like they were for the engagement party, you were invited, your family, or I don't remember if their family was invited to that, but like you, there's, it's like you gotta you both parties need to give 10%. It mm-hmm. can't only be Teresa giving 10. Yeah. And obviously they wouldn't even know if she was giving 10 because had she invited Donna, they would have just thought this is business as usual. Of course she would be invited. They don't know that she might be internalizing some animosity or discomfort or whatever else she's feeling. Sometimes you don't know that mm-hmm. until you feel like you've already been insulted. But conversely, if Joe and Melissa are seated at a shitty table, you're in the room, your family's in the room. It's all about family. Love, love, love. You can still get in the housewife group picture. (laughs) You can still get in the housewife group picture. You'll still be in the wedding special. And, you know, it's you got to give that 10 percent. It's a tithing. It's a relational tithing. Yeah. And by gotta, I mean, like, ideally in a universe, if we are working toward peace, Mm -hmm. there is an expectation that maybe someone's poor behavior or what you receive as poor behavior might continue in some sort of way. We are all human. If, if a person has been ingrained to do like passive aggressive anything or react or mistrust your activity, that's not going to go away on its own. But ideally there is also that 10%. Mm -hmm. And I say that devil's advocating 
saying Joe and Melissa might feel like they've given 100% for however many years and they're done. But yeah, then let's talk about Then Let's say we're done. Right. Then let's say I don't want peace. I just kind of need to put this to bed and I need a break. It's mm-hmm. hard when Joe is arguing that he wants to move forward while he's really, really, really pulling back. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 
10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. <sighs> but you know who's not pulling back? Everybody else. Danielle. Jennifer Aiden working those phones. <laughs> Jennifer Aiden doing the Lord's work. But you know what I found so interesting <laughs> was that fucking dinner with Bill where she said to her husband, I thought it was so interesting because I did believe that she believes this way, which is half the battle with Jen Aiden, that she's like, I need you to help me escalate bad dynamics because that is how I view support and him saying what if I want to de-escalate and her like what about our kids what lessons are we teaching our kids and she's like that's not the game we're playing right now the game we're playing right now is if I come in hot you need to be the same temperature which I thought was fascinating yeah I think we have this conversation more often about friendships and what it means to be a good friend to someone right that sometimes being a yes man to whatever somebody is saying isn't isn't the kind of support that someone actually needs to receive even or if it wants to even if no but if that's the kind of a lot of a lot of the time that's the support that somebody says they want right, right, right. but that's not actually the best way to be a good friend 100%. to somebody and that be, loyalty is not the same as you know you know, blind, you know, blind loyalty is not the same as good, good support. But Jennifer's asking for that in her marriage, basically saying, mm. I expect you, if I come in here saying that Dolores is a con, is the worst person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And everything that she ever says is wrong and evil and an affront to me. Mm-hmm. You need to say, yes, baby, I agree. What can, what can we do to get her ass? Yeah. <laughs> and Bill, I mean, to I mean, to be clear, Bill Aiden is not a perfect guy, <laughs> as as we've established. None of these men are, except then, from Evan Goldschneider, <laughs> the Bill, gold standard for every husband on the planet. Bill Aiden has buckets of flaws, mm. but and Joe uh, the plumber. But I think Bill I Aiden in this situation is trying his best to look out for his wife and to kind of like. Keep her on a level mm. that is not going to be just like car crash territory mm-hmm. at all times because he can actually look at these situations with, you know, one ounce of nuance and be like, okay, baby, I, you know, I, I understand that you're not feeling Dolores right now, but maybe, maybe we can take a step back, think about this a little bit, you know, da 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 da. 
And like, I think it's, it's interesting to see that because in that way, I'm like, yeah, I think Bill's right. You should listen to Bill. Yeah. It's like Bill's trying to say my support is saying that I'm not going to add on to poor behavior. <laughs> and I'm actually trying to help your behavior by bringing down the temperature. And I just wonder how much of that is like about the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it can, something can be about the show and still be completely valid in hurting or impacting a marriage or being representative of what's going on when the cameras aren't there for Jen. I just think she really wants to have that cheerleader. I'm sure. Um, also because she feels like she doesn't have one in this friend circle. She doesn't, Teresa's not going to be that girl for her unless mm-hmm. it's a specific dynamic, I think with Melissa or someone that Teresa is, you know, opposed to for whatever reason. Jen Aiden does not have that cheerleader. Jen Aiden is a cheerleader for her own potentially diabolical (laughs) reasons or otherwise, but she doesn't necessarily have one. And she's like, Bill, you need to be that person. You need to step up. It just occurred to me that I, I would be really curious to know what Jennifer Aiden's friendships look like that we don't see on the show. Because (sighs) I don't, I don't know, because every relationship that we know of that she has is in relationship to the show, and maybe I'm forgetting something, but I don't think anyone that's ever been on the show with her is really somebody that she's known from before, had a relationship with from before. I don't think we've ever really seen her bring a friend onto the show. Yes. And so I don't know if she has those people that just aren't interested in being on TV or if she just, you know, before she spent a lot of time being a housewife and raising those kids and maybe the cultural expectations or she felt kind of isolated, you know, in that big house in Paramus. Mm-hmm. I don't know That's for sure, question. but I would be curious because I think we see so much of how she kind of operates in these um, reality TV friendships. And I do think she has had, you know, genuine relationships with people that she's been on the show with most, mostly Teresa, sometimes Dolores, you know, here and there with other people. But when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know what it would look like for Jennifer Aiden to just be in kind of like her natural habitat with girlfriends. That's such an interesting point. That it's like, it's always a little more calculated than that. Mm. And seeing both Jen Fessler and Rachel have these specific experiences with her Mm. at the exact same time, essentially, where she's kind of... I don't know if she's digging or trying to plant seeds or just sort of gathering information, but she really is kind of, you know, talking to these two new women who came onto the show via people that Jennifer Aiden is not close Mm. with. And I don't know, that was kind of telling to me because I appreciate the messiness of it, but I don't think it was very smart in terms of trying to make friends. But also is that Jen Aiden's goal? Right. That it's like, I don't know if Jennifer Aiden really has an instinct of making friends. Like with Jen Fessler, there's no way that Jennifer Aiden put any thought into, if I talk shit about Margaret on the phone, that's going to make her like me more. So there had to be some other, there either had to be another motive for it, or it was completely thoughtless, absent-minded. And either way, it's, I think it's telling that when she meets somebody new, she isn't really 
thinking about like, oh, like what might we actually connect over or like what do we have in common? It's like it's not going to be talking shit about Margaret Mm. to Margaret's friend. And you know what? I haven't listened to Jen Aiden's um, uh, guest appearance on Teresa's pod yet, but I think (laughs) Jen was on this week. But I have been listening to some episodes of Teresa's pod and Melissa's pod because I have found them honestly really interesting because these women are so different from each other. It's just interesting. And I listened to Melissa. Melissa had Ira Madison on. I think it was her newest episode. (laughs) Melissa's whoever Melissa does Melissa's booking is is like a gay guy on Twitter. (laughs) Iconic, iconic. Melissa doesn't know who Ira Madison is. And I love Melissa, but like, (laughs) please. And I loved it. I loved it. But during the episode, Ira was talking about like how much he likes Jen Aiden. And, you know, there's a little bit of a moment there of Melissa being like, she's not great. But Melissa's response to some of that was like, well, Jen Aiden is the one who's the most different off camera than on. She really treats Housewives as a performance. And I have no respect for that, which I thought was interesting and goes into the conversation or question of like listen regardless of whether or not jen treats housewives as a performance who's in her inner circle Mm -hmm. when the performance is done i um i won't go i won't say specifics but i have heard that same thing from some someone else about jen yes i also think it's fairly obvious like the housewives discussed that on the last reunion right when Teresa was in the dressing room um, throwing down with Joe and I think it was Melissa or no I think it was Jackie turned to Jen and was like listen I know that you know when Teresa's back you're gonna do your thing of like being a totally different person but I know that when mm. she's not here we can actually speak to you and like have a real conversation so let's do that now like I think that the show itself has been somewhat explicit in that as has yeah. Jen it's funny because I think Jennifer Aiden is so captivating on TV. Oh my God, I she's, she's a great housewife. I think she's, she's great a, for New Jersey. A great. fantastic housewife. I would love to see her on an Ultimate Girls trip. Oh God, um, I would love. But in terms of the overall group dynamic, it's interesting because we've talked about how Jersey is split down the middle, but I think another difference between sort of the two factions, mm. maybe, is that Margaret, Melissa, and Jackie are genuinely friends with each other. Yeah. They, you know, you can always break down, you know, how how many times a week are they talking when they're not, I don't know. But they genuinely, I believe, enjoy each other's company. Yep. Spend time together when they are not filming. Yep. And care about each other's yep. lives, families, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, I think equally they all care about Dolores. I think Dolores is, you know, gets along well with pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. Teresa and Jen are a little bit on an island in that regard from what I from what I gather, from what I see. I think you know, I don't want to speculate too much on what Teresa and Jen's personal relationship looks like when the cameras are off, but I I I just don't get the vibe that there is really that sort of closeness that we see with the other side of the group. And it's interesting that it's like, I think Teresa maybe just doesn't need that as much because she's, you know, a housewives institution. She's very focused on her family and Jen maybe just isn't that interested in it. Well, I know that they like go to dinner. They do dinner stuff. They've most recently been like tagging each other and whatever, doing their like Mm. dinner double date nights, but it does bring up, 
you know, friendship is different from everyone. And someone's expectation of like a part of our friendship is like us sharing vulnerability is not another person's expectation or experience. And maybe in that way, Jen and Teresa are evenly matched when Jen is performing as the housewife that she seems to be performing on camera. I think what frustrates the other women is that there is an aspect of that performance that maybe continues to exist in her friendship with Teresa when the cameras are down. Mm -hmm. And if that isn't really the real Jen, or if Jen also has other aspects to herself in how she communicates or receives communication, whatever else that she doesn't want us to see, well, I could understand why she would feel connection to Teresa in in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, but also I think Jen might have different needs and it's it, it is interesting that we don't really see she doesn't want us to see that in how she let's say performs friendship I'm curious to see as this season goes on how Danielle's relationship with mm. Teresa and Jennifer develops because and Melissa well but or spe- not develops but specifically devolves. with Teresa and Jen in the sense that they are all friends at mm-hmm. least on the show they're kind of Danielle is like on that side of things and I'm curious to get more of a sense of whether it seems like Danielle is actually connecting with those women on some kind of level where they see each other yeah versus just finding each other in a way that is helpful for the show because I when talking so much about Jen and Teresa's relationship it's like at the very least, they've known each other for, I don't know, five years at this point. So even if they're not like, you know, ride or dies for each other in mm-hmm. real life, they've they've been through enough stuff on the show that it's like, OK, yeah, they're, they've been around. They know each other they're They've got each other's back, whatever. So I'm, I'm interested to see a new person come in on that side of the equation and whether it feels like it's just kind of a recruitment situation or like a genuine... I really feel like Jen and I are getting close Mm -hmm. and you know because with I don't know with the other side of the group I think there is a little more feeling of like welcome into this sorority like we're you know we are caring about each other Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm curious to see whether we could sort of get that vibe from um, Danielle's relationships. Can I shift a little bit but continuing down that New Jersey path and I swear to God I do want to get your thoughts on Miami (laughs) as well. Um the Gia Gabriella moment with Melissa was, I think, tough for people to watch because there was a little bit of discomfort there. How are you processing the ways that Melissa spoke about her nieces in that confessional? They have hate for me or hate toward me. Their behavior and how they've been communicating their feelings in some ways for the first time how are you reacting and kind of taking all of that in yeah it's tough i think in this thing that and melania sorry melania i think it was yeah it was it was gian gabriella oh it was okay great um i think what really threw me was the scene last week where it was um gia and teresa and louie and then gabriella showed up and they were all talking about this the whole situation mm-hmm. and I I know Louie wasn't present for that moment between Melissa and the girls, but I think Louie, I have this feeling that Mm-mm. it's like there's this almost like this like seed that I not that he's planting a seed because certainly there has been ill will 
you know, present before he even got there. But that I don't think he's helping the situation at all. And watching him last week say like, oh, you know, Melissa's garbage, like all this stuff. The fact that he's saying that in front of those kids, girls, which, yeah, I mean, like, whatever. G is not a kid, but, you know, the, ki- I mean, the kids I'm a kid in the family. My, yeah. yeah, it's children. That to me was tough because, you know, I feel like Louis kind of has a way of talking out of both sides of his mouth mm-hmm. in terms of this situation when he's, you know, telling Teresa she needs to call her brother and say she wants to make peace and invite him to the thing it's not productive to do that and then to go when two days ago you were just saying in front of the whole family how you think they're garbage and how you think it's so inappropriate and blah 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 and he's a bitch boy and she's insecure yeah and i mean he says that stuff regularly we've seen it numerous times but then he kind of gets this like treatment like he's this peacemaker and like he's this you know hope for you know a a brighter day and to bring peace to the family whatever and with Gia and Gabriella I think it's tough because I think they are totally entitled to whatever complicated feelings they have about this family situation clearly they've they've heard lots of stuff from their parents over the years they've seen lots of stuff with their own eyes they have experiences from when both of their parents had to spend time in prison and you know, there's clearly a lot of disagreement over how Melissa and Joe were or weren't there for them during that mm-hmm. time. Um, I think it's tough because I think it's sort of a no-win situation for Melissa at the same time. That it's like, you know, she went to the event. Joe decided not to go. She was like, I think it's important that somebody goes. There was this brief moment. It was uncomfortable. I don't think... I don't think it is going to help anything to say in the confessional chair that these girls have hate for you. But at the same time, I don't think that's uh, an incorrect assessment of the situation. So I think while I don't think Melissa maybe helped anything by showing up or by saying that in the confessional at the same time, it's like, what is she supposed to do really? And I saw people like there were people on Twitter that were like, Melissa only went to that party for camera time. And it's like, I don't think it's that simple. And also, I don't think Melissa has been on this show for like 11 seasons. She does not need camera time. She is, you know, like she is one of the central figures of the show. The cameras are going to follow her where she goes. Right. And it's like, you know, there are how many events over the course of the season? I think to boil it down to that is kind of unfair. And I think at the same time, if she hadn't have gone, if she hadn't gone, the same people would have said, Melissa should have been there. So I I think it's tough because it really is kind of a no-win situation, both with the viewing public and with the uh, Judice side of the family. I can't. I. It's like the more I think about that reunion, I don't know why I'm so concerned about how it's going to go when we've seen it happen already. Like, I keep thinking to myself, like, how is this going to work? Because they hate each other. And it's like, well, we had several seasons of that. Like, we had people tackling each other mm-hmm. in a castle in fucking Long Island. Like, <laughs> we we have seen this happen. We We watched those seasons. It makes me sad that we're there. Because I think it was easier back then to understand how the show would move forward. And I know that it will. I, it's just, and the casting for the new Housewives, I think, has been spectacular, like so strong. But it just, 
it's it's a it's a pickle. Like, how do you litigate this separation that yeah. by all appearances and seemingly experiences every side wants? Um, well, in the words of um, <laughs> Louis Ruelas, want to make peace. <laughs> as that he, was tough. As he wrote in the <laughs> notebook, a tough want to make peace. <sighs> Are you coming to party? It's like, is that where we're at? Really? But then Joe being like, I don't know. Well, because she didn't. She. Sh- I know. It's so tough. In that moment, I do think Teresa on the phone should have said, I would, I would really like for you to be there. And maybe in Teresa's head, she thought me calling. Yeah. I think that's what I think. Because, and then, you know, they both said, I love you on the phone. That was nice. It's so sad. It's just honestly, but it's like for the, it has to be for the best that these people don't have each other in their lives because obviously there's so much discomfort with Mm -hmm. them continuing on this path. It was not meant to last. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like you can parse out you can parse out every conversation and interaction. In my heart, I do not believe that there is a reason for these two people to keep trying to make peace. Like yeah. I don't think that's productive. But Yeah, and I saw I forget which account, so apologies, but someone posted a clip. I assume it's from the season after Tree came back where she like had sent a note maybe to Joe and Melissa of like, thank you for being with my daughters and like there was a, her talking about how Joe and Melissa were there for her and and for her kids at that time. And it's just like, we're never going to, I don't know no. what good enough means or what reality means at this point. Because if we don't trust another person's intentions, right. let alone memory or behavior. Right. Like, like I can't spend any more time unpacking what what specifically was meant by put food on the table. Like I just can't. Like what? Like w- this happened in what 2015. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta move on. But they said it in 2022, right? When yeah, they, yeah they said the they phrase, said but it the actual on the podcast. Act, but right. we're talking about events that happened. Yeah, that six were also years, a part of a ago. very, very, very traumatic, trying time. And also, who knows what support means and who knows who was there on what days. And the kids might be totally right. Melissa might be totally right. Everybody might be a little bit right. Teresa wasn't there because she was in federal prison. So, like, her memory is also different. Teresa saying, well, if Joe and Melissa were there, my then husband would have told me that. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, you really think that Joe would have been Juicy Joe would have been like, wow, it's so great what your brother's been doing for mm-hmm. the man. I don't know. I don't know what acknowledgement looks like for this yeah. family anymore, nor have I really ever. And it's just it is one of the but I I can't get enough of the nuance right now. But I know in about, you know, three seconds, I'm going to be exhausted for the next 15 episodes. Yeah. Also, um, happy two week anniversary uh, to Jen Shaw being in prison. <laughs> We haven't heard from her. We've heard from other people, which I know you don't want to get into, but I will on the Patreon. Are you subs- Heather Gay had some updates. Did you subscribe to her newsletter? No. I, I put in the, I put this on Instagram. I was like, I don't remember what I put, but I was like, maybe don't steal at gmail.com. <laughs> like, I'm not going to give her my info as a lead. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I mean, I'm like the sec, if she actually starts sending out like blog updates, 
somebody else will post them That's and then the I can see. She not she hasn't posted any. Nobody understood nobody understood what was coming and then what she did do was some sort of like YouTube with an expert who was like maybe selling a book or something. I yeah. unfortunately didn't have the capacity to watch that journey take place. Except to say that I have nothing to say. I didn't watch that. I mean, she like gave a statement to people or whatever. And that was enough for me. I'm like, I don't need to watch a video. She's a piece of shit. It's like she's the most. There's like no nuance there. I do not care about her, honestly, or her future even a little bit. The only sense of information I'd like to get you know, down the line is how much money she's paid back. And if we're going to see her arms laden with shopping bags as soon as she returns, but who even, ca- I, d- I don't care about Jen Shaw now. I, I highly doubt I'm going to care in five and a half to six years. Yeah. I mean, I have whatever. I don't, yeah, it's not neither here nor there. <laughs> like or whatever, but happy anniversary to her. I don't know what you get for your two week anniversary in jail. I guess it what depends on how much money you have in your, what is it? Commissary, commissary. account, <laughs> but I'm sure she'll figure something out. Listen, we didn't talk about Miami at all. We just need to give a little bit yeah. of time. The, the finale just continuing this record of excellence. I thought record of excellence for sure. I am. Um, this is maybe the most the most like anticipation I've had for Housewives reunion Mm. in a while Um, because it's interesting like I've I've like interviewed most of the cast this season I've like spent some time with them and I still feel like I have no idea what to expect from this reunion because it's it's so interesting with like Nicole and Larsa at the end of the season you Mm. almost start to see Nicole in the finale is like you know maybe we do have stuff in common like we keep blah 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 and then they are in no sort of good terms right now I am so curious to see how the Adriana versus Marisol and Alexia conversation is going to go down at the reunion Mm. because I'm sure that to me I mean obviously coming off of these last two episodes that is sort of the the current hottest topic. Um, but I mean, there's just like, there's a lot of stuff there. I mean, Lisa, Lisa's whole situation. She went, she like confirmed her relationship this week with whomever this guy, Jody. Oh, cute. He's cute. He's cute. He's not what I was expecting. The Halloween reveal of her coming to the party, but his girlfriend not being allowed because of the, Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that. And then her calling him on speakerphone and him answering. (laughs) This shit and talking to the women in the cast, like these things were unfolding in real time as they were filming. They were getting all the notifications, all the, you know, calls for comment, all Mm. this stuff. Like that whole situation, I don't think it can really be under, be overstated how intense it was during filming after filming in real life real time and yeah yeah I don't know I mean trying to juggle all of this then telling your friend slash you know friend circle slash cast that this is going on then Lenny is telling page six it's not real yeah but he's telling you in real time to get the fuck out then you're dealing with continuing to film other people's issues responding to that trying to be supportive trying to figure out if you're getting kicked out of your house then for his mom, mm. who's just, it's like she's parroting information from one source to the other. I think she believes what she's saying in conversation with Lisa, yeah. but she's just making this very active choice to try to hold on to a relationship 
with her son by saying that this grown ass man shouldn't be left alone in his house because he might fuck someone. And that's Lisa's responsibility to never leave him because he doesn't know the direction his dick is going to go in. And to have that conversation with your mother-in-law when Lisa, as she's acknowledged, doesn't have a relationship or is somewhat estranged from her parents Mm -hmm. and considers this person her second mom and has worked her ass off to develop a relationship. And you know all this is being filmed. It's like the layers of potential reveals humiliation, defensiveness, and upset added on to the fact that this is literally being filmed for other people's consumption. It's got to be tense. It's got to be tense. It's like when you sign up for reality TV, the worst case scenario is what Lisa is currently experiencing. All of the vulnerability is being told to her while she's on camera. Right. It's like Andy always says... You know, if you come on Housewives and you have skeletons in your closet, they're going to come out sooner or later. And it's like, Lisa, this season, it's like the the bodies are decaying into skeletons in real time on camera. And it's not her fault. Yeah. And some of those skeletons were like supermodels dressed as them <laughs> hiding in a closet so they can fuck Lenny later at her goddamn Halloween party. <laughs> like, it's just, can this woman catch a break? <sighs> I will never get this season back again. I hope everyone is treasuring this season of Miami because and that's not me being like no negative Nelly. It's just saying that like when magic is happening, just we just have to acknowledge that every episode this season has been a triumph, a genuine triumph. And I think there is so much um, with certain storylines and things we see on Housewives. There is a lot of strategizing about when to do things so they aren't necessarily going to happen on camera. That's a whole conversation with Robin on Potomac mm-hmm. at the end of this season and that situation. I'm curious how it's going to play out with Drew and Ralph's uh, late breaking. Yeah, she dropped news. it. She dropped it because drop it like Drew. Atlanta, as far as I know, has finished filming for the season. Fuck. And so, I mean, I would hope we're going to get some insight into what happened with yeah. the, the process of the unraveling, but depending, you know, sometimes these divorce things can be very last minute and very kind of unexpected. Even, I mean, even though I don't think any of us are like truly shocked that Drew and Ralph aren't going to make it till the end, but you know, the, the kind of on the ground circumstances can be unexpected. And that's something where with Lisa, obviously it was not her choice to have it play out like this on the season, mm-hmm. but from a from an audience standpoint you really couldn't ask for anything more gripping yeah and also the thing about Miami this season is at the end of the day there is a sense of girl power there are obvious factions that are taking place but like I will never forget also because it's shown on every episode in a flashback like Gertie's scream when Lisa's Mm. like he has a girlfriend or something because it's real. These people are really shocked and horrified and upset for her and and at the same time potentially questioning their own dynamics like the way that they have rallied for her and also, you know, experienced divides with each other has been incredibly interesting because the stakes for each woman in her life right now, the stakes of each cast member might be different. Like another one person's battle might be connected to something real and intense in another person. But there's no argument about what mm-hmm. Lisa is facing. And I think that acknowledgement by the cast is incredibly key. And you know what I found 
also really kind of amazing in these last couple episodes is that Lisa was the person in this cast who was trying the hardest to get Alexia and Marisol to sort of broker some kind of peace with Adriana. Adriana. She was the one that was saying, Mm. look, you guys, like, I know her. I know her. Nobody is saying that what she said was okay. She's not saying what she said was okay. But, like, she is sorry. She wants to talk to you. There was kind. She was the person that was the most kind of go between. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Adriana is close with Julia. She's close with Nicole, maybe. But like, Lisa was the one kind of taking on that cause of trying Mm -hmm. to get them to sort of find some middle ground unsuccessfully in the Mm -hmm. end. But I think that is really kind of amazing that Lisa even decided to give a shit about that. Given the circumstances, she could easily have just kind of been like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> Leave me out of this one. She could have said, I don't have capacity because of what I'm experiencing. But it also feels like she's using the energy around, I don't have any control over how Lenny is mistreating me. But I do have control over mm-hmm. how I can use my voice to maybe help someone heal. Uh, Adriana is really, she's kind of fascinating to me. I I feel like, what I mean, what she said about Frankie was like so out of pocket. We can all agree. We can all agree on that. I hope we all agree. She on agrees that. on that. She agrees on that. So it is a little bit. I think it. I understand why people why they were so upset about it, but it starts to feel a little bit like you're harping on something that is not a point of debate. Like you're you can you can still have your strong feelings about it, but you don't need to explain to anyone else that you were hurt by it. Like if, if you don't want to talk to Adriana, that's fine. But it's a little bit like, you know, beating a dead horse. I mean, well, I think the, I think some of the upset is because Adriana was like very vocally trying to defend Mm -hmm. it and double down on it in the moment. In the moment. And I think maybe a, a part of this that's key is her being like, I didn't understand why other people were upset for at least an hour, aka until her like story (laughs) producer came in and was like, here's the deal. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's where you fucked up that you're not going to be able to get through without acknowledging. Where like, I think that trip came close enough to the end of filming that, Alexia was simply just not ready to hear her. Yeah. But I'm curious now going into reunion, if enough time had elapsed or if Alexia's feelings had softened at all, or if Adriana had come up with some way to, you know, prove herself that she was sorry. I'm curious to see if there's going to be any kind of chipping away at that, you know, yeah, and Marisol, issue. for someone who's technically a friend of, has so much fucking power in this group mm-hmm. dynamic. I wonder how the reunion will go for Adriana because if Marisol and Alexia have decided to, like, maybe this was set in motion prior, but, you know, really potentially move her out of the group. Mm-hmm. And as Lisa acknowledged, even in her, like, explanation to the group, that Adriana is a loner, which was not meant to be a punchline. That was really her saying, like, you know, yeah. all of our personalities are different. And yeah. um, this is both maybe her personality, but also just like her experience that she feels and is isolated. Right. I wonder and, how that will go. Right. And when you future. look at when you look at Marisol's position in the group, her her ride or die housewife is Alexia, who is, you know, one of, if not the 
pinnacle kind of mm-hmm. of the cast. And then if you look at Adriana, also a very active friend of her ride or die housewife in the cast is Julia, who I like Julia. I'm entertained by Julia. I think Julia brings something fun to the table. A goat. But <laughs> Elvis the goat. <laughs> but Julia is simply not in the same league as Alexia when it comes to her, you know, position within this franchise. And so I think with Adriana, it I don't want Adriana to leave the show. I don't think she, you know, needs to be put on pause or whatever. And I do feel for her in a way, but it's like her footing in the group is not as strong. Yeah, and also... Like, Nicole is not going to lay down... Is not going to, like, ride for Adriana, I don't think. I don't think Gertie's going to ride for Adriana. I don't think Lisa's going to ride for Adriana at the end of the day. I do have to say that Kiki's, like, cheering on Julia for shutting the fuck up. Kiki gives me everything I need in her expressions during scenes and also her confessionals where I'm like, her and she is, like, such a good friend of and is so so different from Marisol or Adriana in her role with the group and her saying to Julia like you're doing so good you're doing so, so good at shutting up so good at shutting up. I was dying I was like when she this thought, is the energy I need this is when she thought symphony. a quail was like a rat and then she's like <laughs> their legs so she eats his legs <laughs> and they're like no the eggs <laughs> I loved it I cannot it just Miami is giving me everything that I need and I cannot believe we're at the re- how many episodes of the reunion is it two parts is it three parts I don't know Whatever it is, I trust them implicitly. I need next season already. And I also wonder where the fuck is Orange County? I I feel like this week is the third week in a row that I have been like, there's no way we're not getting an Orange County trailer this week. I, I don't know if it's a pacing thing because they're trying to make sure that space is filled. That was seemingly more of a concern during COVID than now. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, so Orange County is clearly ready next whatever you would hope well i mean they've been done filming for a while you yeah. know clearly tamra's on social media every day being like hashtag rhoc can't <laughs> wait for season 17 she i mean she is a one woman publicity machine at this point yeah she wants the trailer more than any of us amen um atlanta like i said is as far as i know done filming mm-hmm. so that should be i'm i'm I my best guess at this point would be like OC in April, Atlanta in May. Just that is pulled out of thin air mm. in my mind. And then the New York reboot is done filming also. So I would think fall, right? Don't you think? I don't know. I don't know. But if you think about the the schedule right now, it feels like there's a lot going on. But Potomac is wrapping up this weekend. And then Miami has their reunion and then that's done. So the only housewives that's on the air after that is Jersey. So mm. maybe they're right to delay it. I don't know. Um, what do you do? You th- what do you think is going to happen with with Robin's future with Robin's on Potomac future. in light of what we're about to see on Sunday night? Um, to be honest, I don't really think Robin is going to get fired. Mm. I don't think she needs to get fired. I don't know. I, I, I'm in a weird place with Potomac right now because I feel like I enjoyed this season for the most part. I think some people had some kind of up and down feelings about it. Maybe that it wasn't as, um, you know, sort of vital as it has mm. been in recent years. I still enjoyed it. I think it's still such a strong cast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even if some of the storylines, aka the Chris Bassett, you know, witch hunt felt kind of un mm. unmoored. Um but I don't the, toward the end of the season and into the reunion, I just feel like it has kind of petered out. Petered out, yeah, lost steam. And they're so they're having a 90 minute third part of the reunion. Don't understand why it's 90. 90 minutes. Well, because they haven't even gotten to husbands yet. And then they have oh, Charisse is Charisse hasn't even present. Charisse hasn't come out yet, I don't think. And then And then watch what happens. Watch what happens. So it's like I get that there is on paper a lot of stuff to cover, but it does feel a little bit like are are we still watching this? Is it like oh we're not quite done yet. Okay. And I don't mean I don't I don't mean that in like a rude way because I do still think this is I mean obviously Potomac is a great franchise. I still think they have a great cast, but it does feel like this season has lacked just a little bit of that X factor that they have for the most part been able to keep really strong. Yeah, it shows how excellent Potomac has been that yeah. this is considered the slump, but I do think it's or some people consider it a slump rather. I but I do think this this the Oh God, I it's like I can't say enough what a bad fucking move it was by Giselle and Robin to try to, you know, pre the filming of this season, figure things out in another direction using probably similar acts that would be used in talking about the Robin Juan of it all. It just like it makes the because of all of the jumps to what Robin did two weeks later or what's what we're going to see on watch what happens. It it makes moments of yeah. potential gravity feel like a punchline. It's, it's been really tough. Yeah, it's been really tough. I do think the Robin situation, the season itself was not their strongest season. And then I think in terms of finale reunion, I do think the whole Robin situation kind of let the air out of the balloon for the yeah, show itself. That's a great point. And yeah, it's like I don't I don't think she needs to be immediately fired for what she's done. I I think Housewives casting is tricky and I I always think that they should look at things more holistically and mm-hmm. really take some time and strategize more than just like, well she did this so she is fired. But I mm. I do think it's tough because there's there's nobody on this cast that I really think is like their time is up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do feel like something needs to be shuffled a little bit. And, you know, they've had seven full-time housewives the last couple seasons. So it doesn't, and this season they had seven housewives and two friends that were pretty present. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really feel like there is room in the cast to add people without taking something away. Um, I don't, to be honest, I think if I were going to get rid of one person after the season, it would probably be Wendy. <gasps> what? <laughs> I didn't expect that to get that reaction. I thought you were going to say Mia. No, I like Mia. No, I don't. Okay. <gasps> I don't like Mia. I am entertained by Mia. Mi- Mia to me is entertaining in a s- very similar way to Drusadora. Yeah. You enjoy the mess. In that. They are delusional. Right. They are really hard to pin down. They are not <laughs> trustworthy. They are not reliable narrators. Right. But I think they are. They're punchy. 
they have a, they're punchy and having there's a good energy there. Having somebody interesting dynamic. Having somebody in the group that is kind of a wild card energy, I think, is valuable. And with me, with Wendy, I don't say that because I dislike her or because I think she is a bad housewife or that she. I don't like. I said I don't think anyone in this group needs to be fired. I'm not like she sucks. Get her off the show. I just when I think back on this season. I feel like Wendy is the person who kind of like popped the least for me. And maybe that might be, there might be an element of with the Robin and Giselle. There we go. I feel really, it's hard for me to imagine losing one of the OGs on this franchise. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. And that's, maybe that's not, I mean, maybe that time will come, you know, like, because it's like, Karen, no. Ashley, no. Giselle and Robin, like, I don't, like, Giselle and Robin have always been, like, Potomac. And so when you think of, like, who to get rid of, it's it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around, like, are we demoting Giselle? Like, that, to me, seems like a horrible idea. I definitely don't think Giselle should go anywhere. I think if we're going to do something, we demote Robin. I think, you know, maybe Demote this, Robin works for me. Yeah, I, demoting Robin. I think it works for everybody but Robin, which is why it should work. Because it's, yeah. she she demoted herself. She, she showed that she is not as valuable as we thought she was by how she tried to leverage her value. Actually, you know what? I agree. I agree. Demote Robin to me is a similar move to demote Jackie. And I think demote Jackie makes sense in the way that she is because she is still real friends with numerous women on the mm-hmm. cast. It's still she still has a presence. Right, she still has a presence. There's no sense of her not being wanted there except by the people who already didn't want her there. And she's, you know, it frees up a little bit of the space. And I I guess I it makes sense that with Robin, that would be a way for her to kind of be punished a little bit, but still be be given the opportunity to contribute in a way that could benefit us. Yeah. The thing though with maybe axing Wendy, which I'm extremely not into, is <laughs> is the fact that that would be almost a reward for Giselle and Robin. I think the I last thing that true. Giselle and Robin need is to win right now. I think that we lose because mm. of some of their decisions in trying to win. We, the audience, have lost. And I don't want to give them a single inch while acknowledging that Giselle is a superstar. I actually think Giselle would be much more interesting and be forced to maybe show aspects of her life she doesn't want to be vulnerable about or reveal Mm -hmm. more or have to communicate her thoughts more when she's not in as strong an alliance if Robin was a friend of. Like, I think that actually helps Giselle, maybe not in, again, the ways that she would necessarily appreciate, but in ways that we would certainly, I think, appreciate when it comes to different dynamics. But Man, I I, I I don't I don't want I do not want Wendy to have a change in anything next season. I also don't know which Wendy will get next season, which is also exciting. OK, I think you've I think you've successfully convinced me. <laughs> I think Demote Robin. That's it. Jacqueline's not going to be there. Jacqueline won't be there. Sharice, question mark. I don't know what Sharice is doing right now. She's trying to be cheeky in a way that's not landing for me. Actually, you know what? In the same vein that you were just saying of that Giselle and Robin shouldn't be rewarded, I think getting rid of Sharice would also... Not reward them. Not reward them. Which I'm into. In a way that I think would be effective. Because the thing is, 
Karen and Sharice hate each other for reasons maybe known, maybe unknown. Who the fuck really even cares that much? Right. But it's like, that's if they just plain out, if they just flat out don't like each other, period, that's not exciting to watch for another season. And I don't think Sharice is bringing enough else to the table to really need her present in every episode. Mm. She makes me laugh sometimes, for sure. But like, whatever. Yeah, it's just not doing anything for me that Giselle can't already do. Okay, so if we get, so we, if we ask Sharice and Jacqueline, mm-hmm. we demote Robin. Then so we're good. Then we have six housewives, one friend. We don't need anything else. Maybe one new person? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. I think Mia's new life will be new enough for us when she lies to us about whatever the hell is going on again yeah, which, in a different um, way. Maybe. <laughs> so she's no longer bi-coastal between Charlotte and Potomac? <laughs> Oh man, her trying to say, her trying to make that make sense was, what's was hilarious, a memory. That was a memory. What's hilarious that goes is the memory like, box. That, that was the version of her that was like baller CEO doing well, was by coastal between Charlotte and Potomac. So now she's in Baltimore? She's in her quote unquote penthouse. And I just wonder. Oh, back where she was living on her first season? No, no she's in a. They sold that. Correct. She's in, to my understanding, like the version of penthouse Tom D'Agostino was in where it's not a penthouse it's just the top floor Mm. I think that Mia's bringing that energy into trying to prove that she can still live a certain life while telling us they are only you know going off of their savings at this point and I don't know what the fuck else they're going (sighs) you know like what else they're working on it's all it's all kind of fucked up yeah I feel like Bravo is paying her like minimum wage <laughs> so I don't yeah I don't know what's going on there I do wonder you know I guess it's because we all thought it was bullshit and Peter has said some stuff since on social which um what's uh G has responded to as well but like we all kind of skated over Mia saying she saw tapes of Wendy and Peter and said quote unquote cookie like I don't know. I don't know. It's so it's so ridiculous and insane, and I do not believe a single second of it. But like to say you saw this, yeah, is that is very specific. I also just like I obviously we don't know fully what happened, but to me, like when you're with somebody like Wendy getting into that territory i'm like you you might be tiptoeing your way around a defamation lawsuit and listen michael has started that journey this week Ugh. so that i mean i think everybody's saying this but like just imagine the discovery phase of michael suing <laughs> candace for him saying that she's like you know hurting his reputation like guy the second you came into this universe you hurt your fucking reputation but sure yeah have your frivolous lawsuit and let's see you know let's see uh the other side yeah, and you know that like story has been circulating around about how he's like a real estate maven in like war torn Somalia. It's like this is not going to end well for you. Yeah, I just I don't it, it the conspiracy theorist in me thinks about the way that Ashley had like her statement of his goodness at mm-hmm. the reunion when she was making clear because I, I don't know what he was giving her for it but uh I don't know if it was for the purposes of co-parenting harmoniously or not but like he's such a good parent and all this other stuff and he's a good guy and whatever else and I just wonder like did he when did he decide that this lawsuit was happening and when did he maybe tell his estranged wife that it was going to be filed. It just makes me kind of wonder a little bit. To be honest, he 
I feel like he should feel lucky that Ashley isn't more in the mood to talk shit about him on public platforms because given the amount of celebrating from the fans about Ashley no longer being with Michael Darby, this entire season could have turned into a Michael Darby shit talking party. Yeah. And it really didn't. I mean, yeah, there were comments here and there. It, it's no it's no like big secret that people weren't the biggest fan of Michael Darby, even within that group. But mm-hmm. like it could have been worse for him this year. Yeah. And I just like he's just a piece of piece of shit and always will be. So like, what are we trying to what are we litigating here? guy? Just, like and also, do you are you not looking at what your estranged wife has said about other people and some of their activities? Yeah. Do we really want to open this door because you have the money? You have enough money to waste it. You've obviously saved a lot by not providing for your ex. So maybe he's just using money that Ashley thought she was going to get to fuck with Candace. It's just it's just he's just such a piece of shit. We all know he's trash. He's (sighs) told us that for so many seasons. It's a joke. It just makes me wonder, like, when did he give Ashley the heads up, if at all? And how might that have, if it was given in advance, potentially had an impact on how she was discussing him or reacting to other people? I don't know. Whatever. Team Candace on this one. Mm, and he owns that house. God. I, uh, well, an LLC does, but I don't trust. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, she. it's not in her name. Right. Which, if I was her. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. Especially when you're saying that this was what I was getting in lieu of cash. And it's like, but what is the this? Right. But what like, is the getting? A roof over your head is nice, but it's not the same as owning a house. Yeah. Oh, my God. On that note. Listen, you owned this episode. I'll say <laughs> that one. Dylan uh, Hafer, tell the AGs where they can follow you and Bravo by Batches uh, on social. Any interviews you have coming up? That's like my new favorite thing to ask people. What do you got cooking on your podcast? I got a few things on the cow, <laughs> But, you know, I, 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 it always makes me nervous to say that I'm interviewing someone before I have recorded yeah, said no, interview. Because I'm like, they're, the second I say it, they're going to cancel. Um, but yeah, no, we have lots of good stuff. Um, I had Danielle Oliveira from Summer House on my podcast this week. Um, we had Margaret Josephs on last week. Lots of other good stuff happening. Uh, so you can listen to Mention It All wherever you listen to Andy's Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, oh, we have like t- the Top Chef is coming back next week. I, <gasps> I was telling Sarah before we oh, got on the mic, God. I watched the premiere so of good. the Top Chef International All-Stars season oh, this God. morning. Guys, it's so good. I love Top Chef. Um, Top Chef is extraordinary television. <laughs> it is. It's so is. I'm so behind. I haven't seen like uh, a minute of it lately, but I need to catch up. Padma Lakshmi is just... Oh, God. But the ju- and the judge, oh my yeah, god, and it's, it's so good exquisite. and it's meaningful. It's great storytelling. It's people who are actually like, oh, it's just they're so talented. It's I, I know there's a lot of cooking shows where it's like watch this person be a fuck up, but these are just no honestly so all stars during original seasons. To see, so to see all star all stars is just yeah. chef's. I mean chef's kiss, top chef's kiss. <laughs> it is literal top chef's kiss. Um, but yeah, listen to mention it all. Uh, follow at Bravo by Batches, and then you can follow me at Dylan Haver. Amazing. And, uh, you know, follow me on social at Dame Galley, guys. And three new New Jersey specific Patreon episodes have gone up in the last week. There was a satchel spectacular with an index where someone listed that it was iconic. (laughs) Um, All of these episodes. So it's three hour long episodes. So three hours of content and then a two part satchel spectacular talking about your thoughts and feels about all things Jersey. I'm working on a 
Potomac Satchel Spectacular have gotten a lot of great feedback, insights, questions, thoughts um, from AGs. So look for that on the Andy's Girls Patreon soon. Patreon, the number one way to support this sassy little social experiment at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. And on that note, Dill, I think you should come back after the Oscars so we can deep dive. And that's like in an hour and a half. So um, maybe just hang out here until then. Uh, (laughs) On that note, guys, hope you're all doing okay. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Hey there, it's Sarah from the future. Chris Manzo and I are married. Everything is great. (laughs) Just so you guys know. Dylan Hafer and I received the news about Tom and Ariana and Raquel literal moments after finishing this new episode of AG. So we immediately recorded an emergency Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash Girls to get Dylan and Mai's immediate reactions to all things VPR Michigas. These are maybe not the best days of their lives.